last week on the Joes on the Pros podcast. Matt Moore just, I mean, he's Matt Moore. You know, he's not he, he's not going to do anything against this uh, elite Packers defense, but he might prove me wrong. Arizona has won three straight, however, though, and Arizona has showed they are a force to be reckoned with and maybe even a playoff contender winning three straight games. I'm 100% on the Minnesota Vikings right now. I think Buffalo is going to dismantle Philadelphia. They're going to shut down Carson Wentz and that offense that's had some issues this year. You are now tuning in to the Joes on the Pros podcast with your host, Junie Riddle and Casey Warner, covering all the latest topics in today's sports. Another great weekend of NFL football. Casey, I'll tell you what, it was another great weekend. We found out a lot about a bunch of different teams, but a big topic that ended this week was the trade deadline that ended uh, yesterday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. There was a lot of big moves that were made by teams that needed some assets and some teams that are trying to stock up on draft picks. So let's go through a few of these. The Rams trade Aqib Tlaib for a fifth-round pick to the Dolphins. The Jets trade Leonard Williams to the Giants. The Dolphins trade Kenyon Drake to the Cardinals. Uh the Falcons trade Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots. Broncos trade Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers. And there was also some big names in there. Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Trent Williams, and A.J. Green that didn't get traded, but they were in uh, all the rumors. So I got to ask you, Casey, if in your opinion, who do you think made the best move before the trading deadline? I like the move, first of all, that the 49ers did to get Emmanuel Sanders. They definitely needed some help on the receiver end. Uh, you know, they don't have the greatest depth of receiver. They got George Kittle at tight end, who's a great target. Some of those receivers we thought they were going to have better seasons, you know, haven't panned out like we thought. So I think getting Emmanuel Sanders was great for them. He had a touchdown in his debut game against the Panthers, so already looking good there. Um, don't want to be biased here, but I think the Rams dumping Aqib Tlaib while he's injured was a great move. I mean, first of all, I don't know why the Dolphins would take somebody that's injured. Uh, they're you know not going anywhere as it is, and the Rams free up a bunch of cap space that they can use to re-sign Jalen Ramsey down the road. So I love that move right there just for my Rams. I like the 49ers and the Rams out of the NFC West making two strong moves right there. Other than that, the Ravens getting Marcus Peters I think was good. They needed a playmaker on defense. He had a pick six in his debut for them, so already looking like a good move there. Those are my three moves that I think are pretty good. Kenyon Drake gives the Cardinals some depth at running back. I think that's pretty good. But those those right there, I think, are my three that, that get the most attention off the top of my head. Now, see, I actually like the trade that the Miami Dolphins and Rams made simply because on Monday Night Football against the Steelers, uh, their star cornerback, Xavier Howard, went down uh, with an injury. And obviously, that was kind of a tide in that game there. So I think bringing in a guy like Akeem Tlaib not only can bring a nice veteran into that locker room with you know guys that obviously are a winner, team they look like one of the worst teams in the NFL so I think that's actually not a bad choice there but a trade that I really liked and probably the best move that I saw was the Jets trading Leonard Williams to the Giants for a 2020 third round pick and a uh, 20 or 2021 pick as well and I like this because really the Giants need a better pass rusher and Leonard Williams is a pretty solid pick the Jets are making a really really good move here because their one weakness that they have and that's really killing this team from going to the next level because they have a solid defense there uh, in New York but the one thing that they're missing is that offensive line Le'Veon Bell has not put up the numbers that we thought we were going to see and obviously Sam Darnold is seeing ghosts you heard it here first he has been saying it and they a 
lot of people have been making a mockery about it, but I can't blame the guy. He's under duress every single time they play a good defense, and that offensive line is terrible for the New York Jets. So I really like that. They're, they have a plan because they know that they have their guys, and I think that it's a great move that they made in order to get some draft picks so that they can repair that abysmal offensive line that they have there in New York. But there was a lot of different uh, guys that were in the rumors for being traded. So like I said earlier, two Jets players we had are Jamal Adams, who's easily a top five safety in the league. Le'Veon Bell, when he's got a good offensive line, he's easily a top five running back in the league. You got one of the best offensive tackles there for the Redskins and Trent Williams, who's been holding out on them all year long. And then you got Bengals wide receiver who's been hurt, and they really need some draft picks there and A.J. Green that could easily get them a first-round pick. So out of all of those, like what – where would you have wished these guys would have went, if anywhere, and why do you think that these teams didn't make those moves? I would have liked to have seen Jamal Adams maybe go to a contender. I saw Jamal Adams came out and said today that he was really frustrated with the fact that he was even on the trade block because he said, you know, you don't see guys like Aaron Donald, Tom Brady ever in the conversation to be traded. Definitely understand that, you know, being frustrated, being a franchise guy, you think you're the guy, you shouldn't be traded. So definitely understand that. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I think it's kind of funny, and I know you think it's kind of funny because I've heard you talk about it, that he's on a losing team now. He wanted to get on a better winning, or not even on a better winning team. He wanted to get in a different situation, and he wasn't able to do that like he thought he was. So I think that's kind of funny as his name was tossed out there, and he's on a pretty losing team now. Uh, Other than that, I would have liked to have seen Trent Williams get out there and get on the field with somebody because he just reported to the team the other day, but he's still not going to play, he said. So I don't... I don't see why that was uh, in the talks that he wanted to be traded, but he's not even going to play now. So those three off the top of my head are guys that I wanted to have seen maybe traded just to see him in different situations. I feel for Le'Veon Bell because he's been in such a bad situation in New York this year. I wanted to see him explode this year on offense for my fantasy team purposes. I have him on my fantasy team, so I wanted to see that. But other than that, those are really the three off the top of my head that were kind of shocking. Now, I see that I think that the Jets are the team that's going to be a really good team here in the next couple of years. Obviously, I had them going eight and eight this season in our preseason predictions, and that is not going to uh, come into fruition here. But I think that keeping these two guys are going to be good, especially when they build up that offensive line. But the two guys that I really wanted to see traded were Trent Williams and AJ Green, for one. Trent Williams is easily one of the best offensive tackles in the entire NFL. I really like him, and I really wanted to see him go to a team probably like the Rams, who are really struggling with their offensive line. You know, I heard that the Browns were interested in him. I didn't want him to go to the Browns, obviously, because I want the Browns to be as weak as possible when they play the Steelers. But then A.J. Green, man, I've always really admired A.J. Green, even though he plays for the worst team in the league, the Cincinnati Bengals. But he's a great player, and I really think it would have been smart for the Bengals to get rid of him and for the Redskins to get rid of Trent Williams. Neither of these players want to be there. Trent Williams has been holding out. I mean, Washington is going to lose this guy for nothing you should have at least got something for him and then with AJ Green man the Bengals have nothing man they just benched and Andy Dalton on his birthday they're actually starting uh, rookie Ryan Finley in there for him so I mean they're not going to do anything and I don't think AJ Green's going to do anything there in Cincinnati anymore he needs to get out and the Bengals need to get some draft picks for him if they are smart but you know 
just like the Bengals play on the field, their front office isn't smart either. So I that's that's why it doesn't surprise me that they didn't trade or get anything out of AJ Green. But let's actually move on to an actual game here and quit talking about what could have been and and what actually did happen. Let's talk about the Sunday night game, the big game of the week, the Chiefs and Packers. What did you get from that game and what do you see moving forward with these two teams? Well, first of all, I got that the Chiefs' offense really isn't that bad with Matt Moore. Matt Moore held his own. It just wasn't enough. you got to have that guy that's a game-changer, like Patrick Mahomes in there, in huge games like that against great teams like the Packers. They just weren't able to get it done, couldn't shut down that high-powered Packers offense. Aaron Rodgers looked great. Another 300-yard game for him, three touchdowns to go along with it. Loved what I saw from the Packers again. And what I'm really just getting from the Packers here is they're one of those teams that can control games and keep it to their pace. You love to see teams like that. And I said a few weeks ago that they were the best team in the NFC. I still think they're the best team in the NFC. They can control games the way they want to control it. Aaron Rodgers can control the offense like he wants to, and he was just a field general out there making great plays for them. Aaron Jones had another great game. He had 67 yards on the ground, another 159 receiving and two receiving touchdowns. Love to see that from a running back doing both on the ground and in the air. So I just overall, I just saw a Chiefs team that needed their playmaker and Patrick Mahomes and a Packers team that is continuing to do what they have done all season long. And I said last week that I did not think Matt Moore was going to put up a fight, but this Chiefs defense also really impressed me by actually putting up a fight against this prolific offense. I mean, they held them for a bit there and, you know, stuck in that game and it looked like that they were going to win it there for a bit. But obviously, Aaron Rodgers did what Aaron Rodgers did. He came Came out gunslinging and absolutely had an awesome game. Aaron Jones breaks out again and has another great game, especially on the receiving end, getting almost half the yards Aaron Rodgers passed for. So they had a great game. But yeah, with this Chiefs team, you know, it's the, a report came out this week that Patrick Mahomes is expected to come back uh, against Tennessee in Week 10. So this next week against Minnesota, which is going to be a huge game, it looks like Matt Moore is going to be starting. We don't know officially that yet, but that's what it's looking like. Do you think that this uh, Matt Moore-led Chiefs team can, one, get a win against Minnesota and keep this Chiefs team afloat uh, until Patrick Mahomes returns? I think they can certainly beat Minnesota. I've watched Minnesota off and on all season and they've while they've been pretty consistent these last few games and they're rocking right now I know at the beginning of the year they kind of faltered and I can see where their weaknesses kind of are their offense is great but Kirk Cousins can still be Kirk Cousins he can still make mistakes he can still throw interceptions and I think Kansas City can take advantage of Minnesota this Sunday they play at home at Arrowhead Stadium that's going to be a great game great atmosphere for that game I think Kansas City can take advantage of Kirk Cousins if they get good pressure on him that's the key get good pressure on Kirk Cousins get good coverage downfield and you can stop that Minnesota offense so I think if Matt Moore holds his own again Kansas City can get Minnesota now this game against Minnesota is going to be a real telltale game about how each of these teams are going to be I don't think that if they even lose this game uh, if Kansas City does I don't think it's a big deal I think that this game is bigger for Minnesota because Kirk Cousins has obviously dominated the last couple weeks but it's been against lesser talent Uh, he has not beaten a playoff team from last year other than the Philadelphia Eagles and he always kind of shallows away in the big moments playing against big teams here but going back to the Kansas City Chiefs win or lose especially if Patrick Mahomes is coming back the following week against 
Tennessee. I mean, listen to this schedule for the remainder of the seasons. Obviously, they're going to play in Nashville. They got the Chargers twice. The Chargers have not looked good all year. They got the Raiders, the Broncos, the Bears, and then they got the Patriots in Foxborough. So outside of that Patriots game in Foxborough in December, all these, all the rest of these games are easily winnable for this really talented offense, especially with Patrick Mahomes coming back here. So I think this is definitely a bigger game for Minnesota. Or like you said, I think that the Chiefs have the advantage in this game, and I think the way they played against Green Bay's defense at home, I think that they can easily put out a win against the Minnesota Vikings this week. But a big headline that we got from this weekend is the return of Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. We are going to get into that and what we expect from the Saints, how Drew Brees looked in his return after six weeks being out with thumb surgery. So we are going to get in that next on the Joes on the Pros podcast. We are back here on the Joes on the Pros podcast, and Drew Brees is back, and he is back with a vengeance. He had a great game this Sunday. He definitely had a Drew Brees kind of game. He beat those Arizona Cardinals 31-9, to and he definitely looked great out there spreading the ball around. Michael Thomas had a touchdown receiving. Taysom Hill had a touchdown receiving, and Latavius Murray filling in for Alvin Kamara had a touchdown receiving. That Saints offense looked back up to par how it was before Teddy Bridgewater took over. Teddy Bridgewater was certainly excellent in there, going 5-0 and as the starter, but Drew Brees picked right back up where he left off, did not lose a beat. And what did you see from Drew Brees in that game, Junie? I mean, I saw him get a little bit of a slow start there. He had an interception early in the game, but after that, he just absolutely lit the Arizona Cardinals up. We talked about them be getting three wins in a row, going in here and possibly being competitive with the Saints. I was kind of hesitant on the spread that you made on your Warner's wages with the Saints because they are just dangerous, man, and they really exposed that Arizona Cardinals offense there. And so, I mean, Drew Brees, 34-43, 373 yards and three touchdowns, only one pick in this game. He looked amazing, man. I tell you what, I think Drew Brees is easily the best quarterback in this league outside of a man named Patrick Mahomes. He is deadly accurate. He is a great coach. He has great weapons, a top three offensive line. I've said it every week. I am in love with this Saints team. They are my pick. I am going for them all the way. And I tell you what, when this team goes out there, and they got the Superdome, those crazy Saint fans. I, I'm telling you, Casey, this team is the most dangerous team in the league right now. And if Drew Brees is going to play up to this caliber, then you can put them in a lock to make the Super Bowl in the NFC. I'll tell you what, Junie, the Saints did not skip a beat with Drew Brees coming back. That offense's chemistry picked right back up where it left off. New Orleans just completely dominated Arizona. Arizona put up a little bit of a fight in the first half, but they just showed they were no match for the talent and veterans that the New Orleans Saints have. They had a 38-22 advantage in time and possession. They held Arizona to 244 yards total offense. That's just abysmal on Arizona's part. That New Orleans defense has been nasty all year, continue to be nasty in this game. The Saints go into a bye this week looking 
looking very good. And then they play Atlanta. So it's not even getting tougher at all for this Saints team. And they are looking in very good shape. But here's a topic that I think everybody's probably wondering now. Drew Brees is back, and you assume he's going to make it through the rest of the season. But Teddy Bridgewater, he went 5-0 and in his time as a starter with the Saints this season. What do you think's on the horizon for Teddy Bridgewater? Do you think he's going to get a big contract after this season? I mean, GMs were talking about it all throughout the league, you know, this week. Now that Drew Brees is back, and obviously he's playing just as good as he was last year, um, I think this is actually going to help the Saints because, you know, last year when you saw the Saints, they had a great year, um, and then Drew Brees kind of like wore down. Obviously, he's in his 40s. He's getting older, so he wasn't playing at the proficiency as he was at the beginning of the season. Now he's a little bit rested. So let's get into Teddy Bridgewater here. Obviously, Drew Brees is back, barring injury to Drew Brees. We expect that Teddy Bridgewater is going to find a new home next year. And they are saying that he is probably going to get 20 to $30 million in a contract deal for the way that he played. And there's obviously a bunch of teams out there on the market that would be willing to look for him. And I have a wild card team, and you're going to be kind of shocked when I say this, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers might be interested Man. in getting Teddy Bridgewater, especially depending on how Ben Roethlisberger is going to heal up and depending on how Mason Rudolph looks the remainder of the season. They... There is big talks that Teddy Bridgewater might be the next guy in Pittsburgh, and if that were to happen, I would be ecstatic. I would buy his. I'd buy his jersey the of first course. day he signed. I'd buy his jersey the first day he signed. He's a Louisville guy, and now he's going to play for my NFL team. That would be awesome. But you know, wherever he goes, I think that he's a really poised kid. He's got a great head on his shoulders there, and I think wherever he goes, he's going to be successful. Especially if he is a coach that's willing to build around him and give him all the assets he needs, like he has in New Orleans. You know, just off the top of my head, two teams in need of a quarterback that I think might be interested in Teddy Bridgewater are the Titans and the Dolphins. Those guys right there have nobody right now that they're kind of looking at as their franchise guy. The Dolphins got Josh Rosen, you know, this season at a trade, but he's not done anything this year. They have nobody. I think Teddy could jumpstart a team like that. Uh, you know, the Titans definitely need a jump start at the QB position. I think he'd be a great fit in Tennessee. But other than that, let's kind of just get into our NFC contenders. Speaking of the Saints right here, who do you think stands in the Saints' way? Other than the Packers, you know, me and you have discussed our favorites in the NFC over the last few weeks. I said the Packers. I said the Saints. Other than that, do you think there's anybody that can kind of compete with the Saints at the way they're playing right now? I mean, easily. I mean, let's get into our next topic here is the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they're 7-0. and Their defense looks absolutely ridiculous. This man, Nick Bosa, not only is making a campaign for defensive rookie of the year, but he's looking like the defensive player of the year in general with the way he's playing and disrupting quarterbacks all across the league. So I think the 49ers are definitely in that conversation, especially the way that they dismantled the Carolina Panthers, a team that we saw as a pretty solid team there and a team that's in contention for the wild card in the NFC. They absolutely destroyed them at home there, and that defense is absolutely lethal. But when it comes to the contenders in the NFC here, um, obviously we've talked about the Packers and Saints. The 49ers are right up in there, but I was talking about this with uh, the guy at the barbershop earlier, and I was telling him, listen, the San Francisco 49ers probably have the best defense in the NFC right now, but when it comes to the Saints and Packers, they have a defense that is very comparable to the 49ers that I would say they're just right above them in the defensive rankings. But when you compare the offenses with the 49ers, 
I just don't see the 49er offense being able to compete with the Green Bay Packers or the New Orleans Saints because of how high-powered these two teams are. And luckily, we get to see the 49ers play both of them, and that's going to be really interesting as we go down to the second half of this season. It just amazes me how deep this NFC is because, I mean, off the top of my head, of course the 49ers are contenders right now. They're undefeated still. But, I mean, you still have teams that have two and three losses that have shown they can compete or can compete that I think. I mean, the Rams, they already beat the Saints. If they can get their stuff right on offense, figure it out, get that offense running smoothly, we know they can compete with the Saints. So that's one off the top of my head. Even the Vikings, as hot as they've been lately, they can score with anybody when Kirk Cousins is playing like that. Those two teams right there, I think, could even compete with the Saints. But the 49ers, let's get into them right now. The 49ers are undefeated right now, and they just completely made the Carolina Panthers look stupid the other day. Tore them apart. Kyle Allen, who was undefeated as a starter going into that game, 19 and 37, 158 yards and three interceptions. They made him look absolutely stupid out there. They dismantled the Panthers. The San Francisco 49ers defense forced three turnovers. They were four out of five in red zone efficiency. That team is just running on all cylinders right now, and they don't look like they can be stopped by anybody. Now, see, another thing is, is like, I want to see them play up against some better talent. I know that I keep saying this, and they are 7-0, and but, I mean, I think that we kind of overhyped the Panthers with them being 4-0 since Cam Newton went down. Obviously, uh, Kyle Allen has been brought down to earth, and when you look at some of the teams that they were beating, those defenses weren't really that great. I mean, they got a big win against the Houston Texans, but we have already talked about how the Houston Texans' uh, defense is. So, I mean, yeah, it was a big win for them, but still, it was an off day for Houston there. So Carolina really hadn't beat anybody else other than that. So they kind of got a rude awakening with the 49ers here. But speaking of the 49ers, we already talked about how they play the Packers and the Saints uh, coming down the stretch here in the second half of the season. They also got to play the Seattle Seahawks twice. They got to play the Rams. And I believe that they also have to play the Baltimore Ravens. So there is going to be a lot of competition. And I guarantee you by the end of this season, we are going to know exactly what we are going to get from the San Francisco 49ers team. I still have them high. That defense is still super elite and they are going to carry them but we are going to see what they are made of when they start playing some of the most prolific offenses that we have in the league i'll tell you what it does not get any easier for the 49ers like you discussed they play thursday night football tomorrow night at arizona it's never easy to play arizona no matter who it is arizona is not a terrible team like they thought we would be this season they're holding their own Then they play Seattle at home on Monday Night Football in two weeks. That is going to be a huge game against Seattle. That's going to help us get a better idea of what this NFC West is going to look like at the end of the year. They currently have a a one-and-a-half game lead in the NFC West over Seattle, two-and-a-half games ahead of the Rams. But overall, this 49ers team just looks like they are well-coached, they have a great defense, and they just look very well-disciplined. I honestly did not think they were going to go out and beat the Carolina Panthers like that. But other than that, I just really think it's their division to lose right now. What do you think? I mean, I definitely think it's their division to lose because they have a two-game lead above everybody else. But when you look at this division, I mean, obviously the Rams had some struggles after starting off 3-0. They kind of fell back down to earth going 3-3. But, you know, they're 5-3 and now going in uh, to their bye week. So I got to shoot it to you straight, man. It's it's not even close to being over yet for the 49ers. Uh, the Seahawks and Rams are two really super talented teams that I think that can compete. Right now they have the lead. But when you look at that schedule, man, that schedule is super scary. And I promise you that 
it, it, it would be really easy for either the Rams or the Seahawks to get back into this conversation here. I think it's going to be really tight coming down the stretch, but if you're going to ask me who I'm favoring, I'm obviously going to favor the Niners just because they have that two-game lead over both of those teams right now. Speaking of elite teams, the 49ers have certainly shown that they are elite, but in our next segment, we are going to get into our favorite parts of the JOTP podcast, the Riddle Rankings and the Warner Wages coming your way next. It is now that time of the show where I give you my top 10 NFL teams. Let's get straight into it. It is now time for the Riddle rankings this week. Coming in at number 10 is the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, they bumped down a little bit. They played Atlanta. Wasn't very impressed. They got out to a 24 to nothing lead just to blow it and barely beat the Atlanta Falcons 27 to 20. Like I said, this defense is not that good, guys. Matt Schaub really kind of brought them back into the mix there in that game, but the Seahawks did get the win. Their offense is still great. Russell Wilson is still my leading MVP candidate, so they are coming in at number 10. Getting their way back into the riddle rankings at number nine is the Kansas City Chiefs. They looked a really impressive in a loss against the Green Bay Packers. That defense held up a lot better than that has all year long. They played their best game that they possibly could against Aaron Rodgers, but obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to do what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But that Kansas City Chiefs team looked pretty impressive. Matt Moore looked a lot better than I thought he did, and I got to hand it to him. They are back in my rankings, and with this schedule coming up for the Chiefs, like we mentioned earlier, they can easily easily start bumping back closer to that top five where they were in the beginning of the year. Coming in at number eight, we got Deshaun Watson. Oh my God, this guy is looking like some of the best talent I have seen at the quarterback position. I think as a dual threat quarterback, he's the most balanced talent that I've seen, whether it's passing the ball or running the ball. His will to win, the way he eggs his team on, he is a tough guy out there getting kicked in the face and still throwing that touchdown pass. Absolutely amazing. But that defense, that defense has got to straighten out. It cannot let you know let the Oakland Raiders, a team like that, just put up points and be in contention because the Houston Texans, with the talent that they have, should be blowing a team like the Raiders out. Coming in at number seven, right above the Houston Texans, is the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, they struggled against Denver. They got a backup quarterback, and they, they're a little bit banged up in their secondary. Um, but the, that defense still held their own against Joe Flacco in that struggling Denver Broncos offense. They kept him in the game just for Jacoby Brissett to make that awesome play, shedding Von Miller's sack down there inside their five-yard line and making that huge pass to T.Y. Hilton, marching him down the field, and even though Adam Vinatieri had been struggling through that game hitting that 51 yard game winner must have felt sweet keeping the Colts ahead in the AFC South they are my number seven team and they got a big matchup going to Pittsburgh that I think is going to be one of the better games this weekend coming in at number six they had a bye week but they still have one of the best offenses in the league it is the Baltimore Ravens they got their ultimate test against the New England Patriots I still don't know if this Baltimore Ravens team is an actual contender in the AFC but I tell you what 
We're going to find out this weekend when they play against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and company. And even if they're competitive in this game, I think it's going to show how good of a team that this Baltimore Ravens are. And I think that they actually have a solid chance of winning this game because Lamar Jackson is just a different kind of breed. Coming in at number five is the Minnesota Vikings. I still got question about the Minnesota Vikings, man. They look great against some teams, but when they get in the prime time and against better teams, Kirk Cousins always seems to shy away from the moment. You know, they were playing the Washington Redskins this past Thursday on Thursday night football. You know, a 19-9 win against the Washington Redskins with an interim head coach, you know, against a backup quarterback like guys come on you have got to do better than that I expect more from the Minnesota Vikings but they still got the job done they go to Kansas City this week going to be probably the best game of this weekend and we are going to see what the Minnesota Vikings are made of let's get into our top four I got the same top four as last week I got the San Francisco 49ers nothing new with the Niners except that that defense is prolific they expose the Carolina Panthers for what they are I mean if this defense is going to carry them a long way but the schedule gets a lot harder for the Niners. So if the Niners are going to start bumping up in my rankings to where a lot of people think they should be, then let's see them get some win against these premier teams that we have in the AFC and the NFC. Coming in at number three, we got the Green Bay Packers. Like I said, and like Casey said earlier, they can beat you both ways, guys. They got a great defense and they got a great offense there with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and especially when Devontae Adams gets back, they're going to even be more prolific. So the Packers are coming at number three. Number two, I got Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. It's not changing, guys. Honestly, I consider putting them at number one just because of how good Drew Brees played. This defense has some dogs on this team, guys. And I tell you what, the New Orleans Saints, I have them as a lock going to the Super Bowl and representing the NFC because they are just that talented, guys. And number one, the New England Patriots. I mean, honestly, I don't think they had that great of a game against the Browns. The Browns kind of shot themselves in the foot, but I thought the Cleveland Browns played a lot better outside of their turnovers than I expected them to. Their offensive line actually played pretty decent, and the pass rush for New England didn't really get there as well as I would have expected it to. And also that that offense for the Cleveland Browns was just moving and grooving, and they held Tom Brady in check, making them you know, kick a field goal in situations that you really figured that Tom Brady would capitalize and really put the Browns out of the game. But the Patriots are still number one. They're still undefeated. That defense is still great. They still got Tom Brady. They still got Bill Belichick, and they're going to stay number one until a team can upset them and knock them out of the number one spot on the real rankings. Now, I like those rankings. I agree with them to an extent. The only team I have in question, though, still, like you discussed, is those Minnesota Vikings. I don't know if they are the fifth team in the league. I just don't know if the Vikings and Kirk Cousins can make it that far and make a run for the playoffs. I still don't even know if they're a playoff team. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings definitely have a lot to prove to me. Like I said, I like the Packers a little bit more than the Saints, but the Saints are very deserving of a top three spot. Love those riddle rankings. I will now get into the Warner wages a little bit. Now, we're going to change this up a little bit, and Junie helped me out with this. Junie has, you know, has noticed that in my Warner wages, I've went either 4-0 or 2-2, which is an even number. So that means, you know, I can't lose or win if I go 2-2. So we're changing it up this week. Instead of four games, I'm going to pick five. So this way, you can catch me if I'm losing or winning. There can be no 500 for me. So five games this week. Not four. I went two and two again last week, which is why we're making it five. So here we go. First game I got, San Francisco heads to Arizona tomorrow night on Thursday night football. San Francisco is favored by 10 in that one. 
Give me the points in that one. I think San Francisco is going to crush Arizona, even though Arizona's got that home field advantage. San Francisco just completely demolished Carolina last week. I think they can do the same thing to Arizona. Green Bay heads to L.A. to face the Chargers this Sunday. That's going to be a big game for the Chargers. Chargers need to bounce back. Nonsense. I don't care. I don't think they're going to bounce back. Green Bay is an elite team in the NFC. They are favored by three and a half points in that game. Give me that all day. Green Bay, I think, will beat them by at least a couple touchdowns. I just don't think LAC's offense is still you know, not clicking enough to compete with Green Bay. That defense has been too good this year. Green Bay is going to beat that spread, and Green Bay is going to get the victory in that one. My third wages for this week, I got New York Jets heading to Miami in another toilet bowl kind of game. The New York Jets are favored by three points in that one. I think the New York Jets have a good enough offense to put up plenty of points on Miami, and I think the New York Jets will beat them by at least a couple touchdowns, and I think the New York Jets will just completely make fools out of Miami. Who doesn't make fools out of Miami? Miami's got nothing for anybody. Give me the New York Jets plus three in that one. Minnesota is heading to Kansas City Sunday. Minnesota is favored by one. I still think Kansas City, even without Patrick Mahomes, is the better team than Minnesota in Arrowhead Stadium. I got Kansas City beating that spread. I think Kansas City and Matt Moore can hold their own enough to beat Minnesota. They can make Kirk Cousins make mistakes, and they can force him to turn the ball over. I got Kansas City beating that plus one spread of Minnesota right there. And then the final game for my Warner wages this week, game number five, Tampa Bay is heading to Seattle on that 12th man. Seattle is favored by six points. I think Seattle is going to get the best of them, no doubt. That crowd and that defense is going to force some turnovers by the turnover-prone man, Jameis Winston. We know he turns the ball over a lot. Seattle's going to get plenty of those turnovers. Russell Wilson's going to spark that offense like he always does. And I think Seattle is going to demolish Tampa Bay this week in Seattle with that 12th man. What do you think about those wages right there? You got any got any different differing opinions, Junie? We'll see here with the uh, the Jets and the Dolphins game. I actually am starting to not be as down on the Dolphins as I was in the past. Week by week, they've been actually playing better and better against teams. I mean, they competed with the Bills majority of the game, and then they obviously, you know, were scaring my Steelers on Monday night when they went up on fourteen uh, nothing. Obviously, didn't finish very well, but you know, they're getting better and better. I think Flores is a really good coach. I think they have a pretty good opportunity to win in Miami against the Jets. Uh, but I, you know, Sam Darnold, he's bound for a, a, a rebound game here, and I think that he has a good chance to do it. So that's a game that I'm a little bit iffy on. And then the Tampa Bay Seattle game. I mean. Jameis Winston is a turnover machine. Uh, we, we've seen it all year. He leads the league in turnovers. But, I mean, against bad defenses and that Seattle secondary is not good at all, um, I think that he might have an opportunity to explode and Tampa Bay might sneak a win there. Um, so those are the only two discrepancies that I have with your wages. But if I had, to, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would probably go with all five of those. Those are actually really good picks there. That is your Warner Wages for this week, your Riddle Rankings for this week. We enjoy putting out these episodes for you. This was the eighth episode of the Joes on the Pros podcast. Can't believe it's the eighth episode. Can't believe it's week nine of the NFL season. We are just filing through this season. It has been a quick season. We are now halfway after this week, officially the halfway point through the NFL season. You can follow us on Twitter at Joe's on the Pros, Joe's on the Pros podcast. We love doing this for you. We got an NBA podcast coming out this weekend too. Definitely check that out. You can get your NBA and your NFL fix here. This was Joe's on the Pros. This is Casey Warner with Junie Riddle signing off. Joe's on the Pros podcast. <laughs>